All right, so let's learn. So we know in the beginning of Parshas Balak, so the Pasuk tells us that Balak, the king of Moab, hires Bilam to curse Klal Yisrael. And Balak explains his motivation. He says the reason is is because Klal Yisrael is about to enter the land. It seems that they're about to enter the land. And that's what he doesn't want to happen. Balak does not want Klal Yisrael to enter into Eretz Yisrael. And so Mela, he hires Bilam to curse Klal Yisrael. So that was the objective, that whatever the curse of Bilam was going to be, it was ultimately for the purpose of stopping us from getting into Eretz Yisrael. Now we know, obviously, throughout the story of Parshish Balak, is that the curses don't work out. They turn into blessings, and so the plan backfires. But Chazal tell us that the last, uh, right before Bilam is uh, sent back home in defeat, so he gives Balak an Eitzah. He says, listen, my curses didn't work out. But let me give you an Eitzah that may be something, something different that you can do. And as, as Chazal say, that Bilam told Balak, Elokeim shel umezu zimahu, that the, the God of, the, of these people, the Rabbana Shlolem, Sainizima, he despises Arias, Gili Arias. And so the Eitzah that Bilam gives him is what we find at the end of uh, Parshish Balak, and that carries us into the beginning of Parshish Pinchas, that the Pasuk says, that and it's like out of nowhere almost without Tarsh Bal Pev, the Yeshav Yisrael Bashitim, that Kla Yisrael are sitting in the place of Shitim, Vyachalam Liznais Elbanais Mayav. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Jewish people fall into this Avera of living with non Jewish women, living with uh, the daughters of Mayav. We're, we're, now, where's this coming from? Because we know, again, Chazal say that, that uh, Bilam's Eitzah to Bullock was send the daughters of Mayav. To, uh, to be marshal, to bring the Jewish people down into sin. And with this, my curses won't work, but at least this will do its trick. So, in other words, what, what's clear from a simple, simple cheshman is that, again, the purpose of the curses were to stop us from getting to Eretz Yisrael. The curses didn't work out. And so now Bilam gives this final etzah of having Jewish men fall into the aver of, God forbid, living with non-Jewish women. Now, uh, there's many Averis that theoretically, you know, would be a terrible kitrug in prosecution against Klal Yisrael. Again, if Bilam is specifically using this Eitzah, then it must be, logically, it makes sense, that this somehow must also be similar to the curses that he was going to curse us with, which has the, the objective of stopping us from getting into Eretz Yisrael. So in other words... It's, it, it's clear, and it must be, that something about this Aver in particular, of intermarriage, and particularly a man living with a non-Jewish woman, is not just an Aver by itself in a terrible prosecution and, and a cause for, for punishment, but it's specifically something that's shaykh to stop from, top, stopping Klai Yisrael from getting to Eretz Yisrael. And that's why it's specifically the Eitz of Bilam. Now, it goes further than that. We all know that the Pasuk goes on to say how there was a terrible plague that befell Klai Yisrael because of this, and uh, the height of the issue comes when, as we know, Zimri ben Solo, the, the Nasi of Shevet Shimon, comes and stands in front of Maishar Rabbeinu, in front of Zekanim, the Farhesia, in front of all the Yidin, and lives with Kazbi Bas Tzur, a princess of Maya, this terrible Chalashem, this terrible Avera. And everyone's just shocked and, and uh, sort of paralyzed by the experience. Until the Pasik says, Vayar Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akayin, that Pinchas. Ben Elazar ben Aaron, Pinchas, the grandson of Aaron, sees what's going on. And he alone gets up. He takes a spear and he kills both Kazvi and Zimri. And by doing this, the plague subsides and everyone is saved. 
and that's how Parshas Bolak ends. And Parshas Bilam, uh, Parshas uh, Pinchas picks up on that and says, Rabban Shalom gives a message to Pinchas through Maish Rabbeinu that because you were Makanayas Kinasi Vesaycham, because you were the Kanoi Vizelet, and you uh, were vengeful for my COVID, says the Rabban Shalom, because of that, I'm going to give you a schar, it'll be a kain, v'chulu v'chulu. And so that's the Maisa. Now, again, if the Avera of living with a non-Jewish woman was the Eitzah of Bilam, after seeing that his curses didn't work out to stop us from Eretz Yisrael, so that tells us again that the, the Avera of living with a non-Jewish woman has something to do with stopping us from getting to Eretz Yisrael, which would then mean that Pinchas being able to stop this Avera and somehow bring a Tikkun to this, to this issue is going to help bring us to Eretz Yisrael. And in fact, that's what we find. Right after the, the Rabbanu Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu about the reward that Pinchas is going to get, so the next thing is, Rabbanu Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu, Tzoros Midyanim, that you have to now follow in Pinchas's lead and fight against Midyan and take vengeance against them because of what they did. And the Pasuk then goes on to say, even before the war begins and the Jewish people go out to the army, it immediately then goes to start counting Klal Yisrael once again. And this counting is the counting of the Jewish people that will actually enter into the land. So you see that again, once there's an awakening of Pinchas and Klal Yisrael sort of taking up the, 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 the lead, you know, and following the lead of Pinchas, and by doing so, being, being masakim, fixing this pagam, this blemish of living with non-Jewish women, so you see oh, that brings the Indian of coming into Eretz Yisrael. So this is what we're seeing over here, that there's something about this Indian of what's called an Allah Baila Ramis, living with a non-Jewish woman, Lo Elena, God forbid, that somehow, besides being its own Avera, it has something to do with distancing us from Eretz Yisrael, but the Tikkun of Pinchas and Kla Yisrael fixing that mistake and, and, uh, and killing Kazbi and Zimri and Kla Yisrael taking the come against Midian and putting an end to this Avera, to this problem, somehow brings with it the Kayach of entering into Eretz Yisrael. So that's the question. What exactly does this Indian of a Boyle Ramis have to do with Eretz Yisrael, both the, pro- the Avera of Boyle Ramis stopping Kla Yisrael from getting into land and the Tikkun of Pinchas killing the Boyle Ramis, allowing us into, into Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so in order to understand this, we're going to have to learn a little bit of that sugya of what's called Bailaramis. So the Mishnah says in Sanhedrin, it's a Mishnah on Daf Pei Aleph, it's a sugya Pei Aleph, Pei Beis. So the, 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 the Mishnah tells us that it's based on the story of Pinchas, the, the mice of uh, these parashias. The Gemara classifies the following halacha based on the story of Pinchas, that Bailaramis, someone who, God forbid, is caught living with a non Jewish woman, a person who's a kanoi, like Pinchas, is able to take vengeance and to kill the boyal, to kill the, the perpetrator, when he sees this happening. That's the halacha of kanoi and Now, the Gemara, the Mishnah, elaborates and clarifies that this is not, uh, you know, vigilante, vigilanteism, this isn't just taking the law into your own hands however you want to do it. There are certain guidelines, there's gedarm, to when this halacha applies. And the two most basic uh, stipulations that need to be kept and met in order to allow this the halacha of kanoim pagimbai, of a pinchas killing a zimri, is just like the story. Number one, it has to be taking place b'farhesya. The veira of Bailaramis needs to be happening in front of a minion of people. 
in front of a minion, just like it was with Zimri and Cosby, number one. And number two, even if it's in front of a minion, it can only, the, the, the Pinchas is allowed to kill Cosby and Zimri only if it's Bishas Maisa, if it's, the Avera is actually taking place now. But if the Avera already happened, then it's too late. The Kanoi, Pinchas, would not be allowed to uh, kill the perpetrator, the, the, the Cosby and the Zimri. That's the basic halacha. Now, there's a big discussion in the Rishonim and the Achreinim. Well, let's, just, let's learn a little bit halacha for the next few minutes, then we'll see in Panemius where this takes us. There's a big discussion in the Rishonim and the Achreinim how to, how to understand the nature of this halacha, of that someone who is Bailaramis, again, the Ferhesia and Bashas Maisa, so a Kanoi, a Pinchas, someone, a Zealot, someone who's a Yerushalayim, is allowed or maybe even supposed to uh, kill them. So the question is how to understand that, because taking a Jewish life is not... Uh, something trivial at all. So we have to understand what's the, under, what's the get there, what's the, uh, uh, how, do, how do we classify this Indian of killing a Bailaramis? Usually killing, capital punishment, is something that's done with Besdin, with the whole system, there's witnesses and warnings and a court case. This is, this is different. So how do we understand this? So it's like this. Rav Sajigayin, you know, it's well known that many of the Rishayim and the Gainim spent much time, you know, sort of figuring out and listing all the 613 mitzvahs. We know that there is such a thing as 613, but it's not clear in Chazal what are in those 613, uh, what exactly is the list. So Rishayim and Gainim and Achrayim have, have spent time making those lists. The most famous list is the Rambam. But there are earlier lists as well. Rav Sajigayin, one of the Gainim, he had a list of 613. He has a Sefer Mitzvah, Rav And what's interesting is, with Rav Sajigayin, it's not just him. It's, uh, we find this with other Gainim as well. When we think of, 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 of the mitzvahs, we think of them as, as simply in two categories. There's positive and negative. Asay and loisasay. And that's how the Rambam and most Rishonim categorize the mitzvahs as well in those two categories. 248 positive, 365 negative. But by the Ga'inim, by Rav Sajigayin, for example, we find there's actually four categories. There's positive, there's negative, there's assay and loisasay. And then there's something that's called parshias. Parshias means mitzvahs that are on the entire nation, not the individual. So, for example, uh, the mitzvah of appointing a king. That's not a mitzvah on the individual, that's a mitzvah on Klai Yisrael. That's another category of mitzvahs. And there's a fourth category that he calls Einshin, punishments. Einshin means mitzvahs that are on Bezdin to execute punishments if, if, if the situation warrants it. So, for example, one of the Einshin that he lists as a positive mitzvah on Bezdin is Malkus, to give lashes, or another mitzvah would be to give a capital punishment. V'chulu v'chulu. What's interesting is, is that the Rasag, Rasajigayin, counts this halacha of Boyal Aramis, Kanoim Poygenboy, that a Kanoi is allowed to kill the uh, Boyal Aramis, again, if it's Beferhesian, Vashas Maisa, Rasajigayin counts that in the category of Einshim, of Einshim. Now, this is a Pelo, the Achronim Eskamis. The, the category of Einshim, again, that, those are mitzvahs which are on Bezdin, that Bezdin has an obligation to carry out, to carry out uh, their verdicts and to divvy out punishments according to halacha, Malkus, Misa, Mammon, whatever the situation warrants. But Baal Aramis, there's no Bezdin at all. It's just a person doing this Aveira in front of a minion and a Kanoi, a Pinchas, the Kiyid, taking, uh, taking matters into his own hands. We're, why would this be in the category of Einshim? 
Now, what you see from Rasadja Gain is a huge chiddush. What you see from Rasadja Gain is, is that the way to think of this halacha, of Bayelaram as Kanoim Poigenboy, is not a vigilante. It's not just he's doing, you know, he's going uh, rogue and he's just killing this person. It happens to be. The Torah says he's allowed to do that in this particular situation. Says Rasadja Gain, that's not the way to think of it. The way to think of this situation is, is that a person that's Bayelaram, is so living with a non Jewish woman, at the time that he's living with her, he's Chayev Misa. That's a capital offense. It hap- now, it, it, what's unique about this type of Chayev Misa is that it's a Chayev Misa which is upon the person only during the Aveir itself. Once the Aveir is done, then he's no longer Chayev Misa. Not, like, not so when it comes to like Chil Shabbos, right? A person's Mechal Shabbos, he's Chayev Misa even after the Aveir is, is performed. This situation is different. A Boiler Ramis, for whatever reason, is Chayev Misa, when the Aveir is being committed. And the Chiddush of a Bayel Aramis is not only that he's Chayv Misa at that moment, but then any, any Jew, any Jew that, is, that considers himself to be a zealot, is allowed to function as a messenger of Bezdin. So even though Bezdin is not there, Bezdin is not even aware, maybe, of the situation. This could be happening outside of Bezdin's knowledge. But if the situation is taking place, that means that at that moment, this person is Chayv Misa then the Pinchas is allowed to sort of uh, take upon himself the role of a shliach bezdin, of a messenger of bezdin, and to carry out the capital punishment, the Shas Maisa. And so therefore, says of Sajigain, this halacha of Bayel Ramas, Kanoi has to be viewed and be seen as what? As one of the Einshim of bezdin. It's one of the punishments of bezdin. It's an abnormal type of punishment. It's a punishment where, which can only, first of all, can only be divvied out when that there is taking place. And number two, you don't need to go through the whole process of Bezdin, of a court, and back and forth, and warnings, and a whole entire, you don't need all of that. The person, any person witnessing this, again, under those stipulations of that there is happening right now, and it's in front of ten people, so he can act as a messenger of Bezdin to carry out the punishment. But the punishment that's being carried out is, again, a punishment of Bezdin. This is not just the opinion of Rasajigayin, it also seems to be the opinion of Rashi. There's a, a Rashi in Mesecha Sanhedrin that, again, on this, on this halacha of Kanai Pagimbai, he says, the, the, this is the language of Rashi. It's a, it's a funny Lashen. Rashi says as follows, From a religious Jew that's, that's at the time seeing this terrible avir take place, and he wants to be, uh, take vengeance and be zealous for Hashem, so Poigin boy says Rashi is allowed to kill the person when he sees the act taking place. Says Rashi, but after the act is over, then no longer is this person's death given over to the hands of Bezdin. Now this Bezdin is no longer involved. So the Achorinim asks, what does Rashi mean? The Bezdin is no longer involved. Bezdin was never involved. This was never an issue of Bezdin. Again, the language of Rashi is that the Kanoi is allowed to kill the person when that ver is taking place. But once that ver is over, Bezin can't be involved anymore. Bezin was never involved. So it sounds from Rashi, similar to the concept of Rasajigain, that Bezin was involved. You might not have seen them, they might not have been obvious, and it might not have gone through the normal uh, pro, you know, due process that Bezin usually works with, but this Kanoi that was acting was not acting on his own. He was acting on behalf of Bezdin. Once the Aver is done, it's no longer under the jurisdiction of Bezdin. But during the Maisa, it is under the jurisdiction of Bezdin. And this Kanoi that's on his own killing this person is acting 
with the authority of Besdin. So that's the, the sheet of Rosajagain. It's the sheet of Rashi, probably. And it also seems to be the sheet of the Ramban. Good example. We know that, uh, switch gears for a second just to explain the Ramban, where he's coming from. We know that, generally speaking, um, any Avera of the Torah is overridden by Pekuch Nefesh. Right? Pekuch Nefesh is Daicha Kol Tarakula. A person's life is in danger, you Michal Shabbos, you eat treif, whatever you need to do to save a life, except for three Averas. Right? We know Avodah Zarah, Gili Rais, and Shvichas Damim. So Pekuch Nefesh uh, does not override those three. In other words, so if a, if a, non, if a, if a Jew, God forbid, is, is, is being threatened w- with his life or, you know, to serve by the Zara, he has to sacrifice his life. If he's being threatened under the, you know, pressure of a gun to, to do an Avera of Gili Rais, he has to sacrifice his life. And so to Frishich Hasdamim. So the Ramban is dealing, in Sanhedrin, is dealing with a question that many Rishonim deal with, which is, what exactly is in the category of Gili Rais? What, what type of Averis would a person be required to give one's life in, to, not, to not violate under that category of Gilirais? It's pretty vague, Gilirais. What does that mean exactly? So, so the Ramban says the following thing. The only, the only example that we have in Chumash of a clear situation of Gilirais where a person would be obligated to sacrifice his life, and this is the classic case that we know for sure, is a case of Eshazish. A person is being uh, held by gunpoint to live with a married woman. That's, in the Chumash, we see that's clearly considered to be a case of Gilirayas, where you have to give up your life not to violate that halacha, that mitzvah, that avera. So, says the Ramban, well, no, that's the benchmark. It means that that's the, in order for an avera to be considered to be Gilirayas, that you would have to sacrifice your life for, it has to hit that benchmark, it has to be considered to be as severe as Eshazish. Therefore, says the Ramban, the Ramban's words are in uh, again in Sanhedrin. The Ramban says, Because of this, it, you you could only classify something as Gilirayas for the purposes of the halachas of Yehar Gval Yavar, Rasa, only if it's similar to a case of a married woman of, of that avera of an ish. And therefore, says the Ramban, if you have a situation where it's uh, it's it's an avera that's revolving around men and women, but it doesn't have uh, a chiyav misa. We know that what what anacious ish is not just a terrible avera. It comes with capital punishment. If a person willingly, again, not in the case of duress, but a, a person willingly, God forbid, lives with anacious ish, that's a chiyav misa. So says the Ramban, it, that's the type of avera that would have to that we would classify something as gilirayis. That under duress, you would have to sacrifice your life. So says the Ramban, only an avera that there's a chiyav misa on would. Hit the hit the category would be hit that benchmark and be considered gilirayas. If you have an avera that's between men and women, something in that area of men and women, but it doesn't have a chiyav misa to it, if done willingly, then under duress, that's not called gilirayas. You wouldn't have to sacrifice your life. But says the Ramban, but mistabra, but it makes sense to me. Says the Ramban, the Yisrael halba al nachris, the avera of living with a non-Jewish woman, mikra gilirayas, that would be considered gilirayas that under duress you would have to sacrifice your life not to commit such a sin. And that, that's an Avera that does hit, hit the benchmark of Gilirayas, similar to Eshazish. Why? I, there's no, uh, cap, it's not considered capital punishment. You can't bring the guy to court and, and give him a Chiyav Misa. Says the Ramban, Mishunda Kanayim Pagyan No, we do find that there's a Chiyav Misa by a Bailaramis. 
by a case that, again, that there's such a halacha that if a person does it willingly in front of ten men, ten, uh, ten yidin, then b'shas ma'isa, a pinchas is allowed to kill him. So you see, says the Ramban, that there is a, 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 a level of chiyav misa. There is a, it, it, that this aver of Bayel Ramis does have the, the qualifications of Gili similar to an Ish, where it would be considered Gili How so? Because it comes with a chiyav misa, Kanoim Poigenbay. If the Indian of Kanoim Poigenbay is just, you know, this guy, you're, you're, allowed to, you're allowed to kill him, then this has nothing to do, this doesn't hit the benchmark. The fact that the Ramban is saying that the halach of Kanoim Poigenbay indicates to us that the Avera Bayel Aramis is as severe as Eishazish, and just as Eishazish there's a Chiyav Misa, so too Bayel Aramis there's a Chiyav Misa, and because of that, it'll be considered Gilearias for the purposes of Yohar Valyavar, it tells you, similar to the concept of Rapsajigain, that the concept of Kanoim Poigenbay is a Chiyav Misa, that this guy, at least for the Bishas Maisa, is Chayiv Misa. And this person, the Kanoi, is carrying out the Chayiv Misa of Bezdin. So therefore, says the Ramban, it's similar in concept to an Ish. Yes, it has different, uh, the, the details are somewhat different. For an Ish, the Chayiv Misa continues on even after that there is committed. And all you need are two witnesses, not ten. So the situations are different. Whereas a Boyle Ramis, the Chayiv Misa is only during that there itself and you need 10 people to be present, not just two. So there are differences. But al Kalpanim says the Ramban, but you do see in concept that Boyle Ramis carries with it the weight of Chiyav Misa, just like a regular Eish would. And therefore, says the Ramban, it would be considered Gili Arayis, uh, that under a case of duress, you would have to sacrifice your life not to be Boyle Ramis. But again, it's coming from this basic idea, which is that this guy is Chiyav Misa, and the Kanoi is carrying out Misa's Bezdin. And so since there's Chiyav Misa and Misa's Bezdin, says the Ramban, it has the same Chaymer and the same stature as, uh, as any other Gilearias that you would have to sacrifice your life and not to commit it. the Ramban. Not only is this the Shita of Rapsajigoyin and Rashi and the Ramban, it also seems to be the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch. Nowhere in Shulchan Aruch does the Shulchan Aruch ever record this halacha clearly that if you see a boy, if you see a person living with a non-Jew, that b'shas ma'isa in front of ten yidin, you can kill him. The Shulchan Aruch never records it. Why not? Why does the Shulchan Aruch leave this halacha out? So listen, is is a practice? Listen, you can say that maybe it's not a good idea nowadays, because you know we're living under under uh, you know uh, governments with different legal systems, so you get in big trouble. But there's other halachas where the Shulchan Aruch records it that might also conflict with the, the government that you're living in, and it might not be a good idea to carry out, but the halacha is the halacha, the Shulchan Aruch still records it. So why does the Shulchan Aruch not record this halacha? So the answer is, if you go like Rav Sajigayin and Rashi and the Ramban, that the concept of Kanoim Poigenbay is that this person, this Kanoi, the Pinchas, is carrying out Mises Bezdin, and he's acting on behalf of Bezdin, because this person is Chayiv Misa, well, that could only make sense at a time where there's a Bezdin. So even if you tell me that the Bezdin doesn't have to be present, and the Pinchas is able to sort of take on the role of a messenger of Bezdin, even if Bezdin is not aware of it, and they're not present at the time, but there at least has to be a Bezdin functioning in the world to be a messenger of them. If there's no Bezdin Bezman Hazah, if there's no court system nowadays that has the jurisdiction of levying death penalties, Bechlal, then you can't. Then, then no one can say that they're acting as a messenger of Bezdin. There are no Bezdins. And so, 
and so therefore, it makes a lot of sense why the Shulchan Aruch will not record this halacha because it's simply not relevant anymore. It's it's based on functioning as a messenger of Bezdin, and Bezdin no longer exists, and so this halacha would only be relevant at a time where Bezdin exists. So this is the the sheet of the Shulchan Aruch again. All those were Shinem as well. Here's here's what's interesting. The question is in the in the opinion of the Ramah. Now the Ramah in Yardeya paskins like the Ramban that I mentioned before. Again, that in order to be considered Gilei Rayas for the purposes of Yoharig Val Yavar Halachas, then it has to hit the benchmark of Eshesish. And the Ramah paskins like the Ramban that Bailaramis does hit that benchmark. So again, as we said before, that would tell us that the Ramah also agrees to the Shulchan Aruch that what? That Bailaramis is a Aver, it's a punishment that's being carried out as a messenger of Bezdin. And this person is Chayv Misa, and you're carrying out Misa's Bezdin, similar to Eshesish Mamish. And so that would make sense. The problem is, is that the Ramah does bring down the halacha of Bayel Ramas Kanoim by even Bizman Hazeh. So, so whereas the Shulchan Aruch does not record such a halacha Bizman Hazeh, the Ramah does. And so here's, 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 here's what doesn't make sense then. If the Ramah is paskening on the one hand like the Ramban, that Bailaramis Kanoim Pagan by this halach of killing the Bailaramis is because you're acting, you're carrying out a Misas Bezdin, which is upon this person, similar to any Chi of Misa that we find by Gilearias, then how in the world can this apply Bismanazah when there are no Bezdins? Again, the Shulchan Aruch also held like the Ramban that 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 Kanoim Pagan by is a function of Misas Bezdin. And because of that, the Shulchan Aruch did not record this halacha. But the Ramah that, that, that does record this halacha and yet holds, like the Ramban, that it's a function of Mises Bezin is a pella. How could you have Mises Bezin Bismanazah? How could a person act as a messenger of Bezin when there are no Bezins Bismanazah for these purposes of Chiv Misa? So that's a big pella. There's another problem with the Ramah as well, which is when the Ramah records that halacha of the Ramban, that Boyle Aramis is a situation that would be considered to be Gilei Arayis for the purposes of Yahar Gval Yavar, the Ramah stipulates that it's only when it's happening, when the person is being compelled to do the Saver at gunpoint in front of a minion of Yid, Bifar Hesya. Only then is Boyle Aramis considered to be Gilei Arayis. And so the, the problem is as follows. When it comes to other situations of Gili Arayas, for Yahar Yavr, let's say the classic case, Eshazesh. So even though the only time this guy, let's say, let's say the person were to live with an Eshazesh voluntarily, so he's Chayiv Misa. Now it happens to be he's only going to be Chayiv Misa if there are witnesses. But the witnesses that are needed are not necessary to define the Avera as an Avera of Gili Arayas. The Avera of living with an Eshesish is to be considered Gili Arayas even if there are no witnesses at the time. If a person has a gun to his head and the guy says, I'll shoot you, or live with this Eshesish, and there's no one else around, that's considered Gili Arayas. He has to sacrifice his life. I, there are no witnesses, so you would not be Chayiv Misa if you were doing this willingly. Okay, the answer is witnesses are just there. That, that's a secondary component. The, the Avera itself is still the same Avera. So the question is, if that's true for Eshazish, then say the same thing for Bailaramis. The fact that Bailaramis requires there to be ten Yidin around, so instead of two witnesses, you need ten witnesses, again, that's necessary in terms of actually carrying out the death penalty on this guy. 
But if you're now trying to figure out whether this Avera is an Avera of Gilei Arias, just as we're just as the 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 benchmark of Gilei Arias is met by Ashes Ish, even without witnesses, so the benchmark of Gilei Arias should be met with Bailaramis, even without the ten witnesses too. Witnesses are are irrelevant when it comes to the, the halachas of Gilei Arias for Yehar Yavar. They're necessary for Mises Bezdin when it's done voluntarily. But they're not they're irrelevant when it comes to the halach of of, of Yahar Valyavar. So why would the, the Ramah say that a Bailaramis is considered Gilearias, but only when you have those ten witnesses? If you don't need witnesses at all for any other Arias for it to be considered Yahar Yavar, why do you need witnesses for this situation of Gilearias of Bailaramis? So it's clear, it must be, that the what the Ramah is telling us is is that the ten people that are present at the at this at the Aver of Bailaramis to then allow Pinchas to kill the Bailaramis, they're not functioning as witnesses. The Avera itself of living with a non-Jewish woman is intensified to such a degree that it's considered capital punishment when it's done in front of ten men. So the minion that's present is not there as witnesses to verify that it's ha- that it happened. Because you're right, if they're just functioning as witnesses, then, they're, then that, the halach of witnesses are irrelevant when it comes to Yahar Valyavar. The answer is they're not witnesses. That what they're doing is, by, by the Avera being committed in front of a minion, now the Avera is, 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 is now chay of Misa. There's, if a person lives with a non-Jewish woman privately, it's, the Avera itself is not as severe as if it's done in front of a minion. Only when it's done in front of a minion is the Avera itself severe enough to be considered a chiyav misa. And therefore, says the Ramah, only when the Avera is done in front of a minion does it now have the halacha of Gilearias. Because the minion is not just witnesses. The, the, the minion is, is, is creating, is establishing the severity of the Avera itself. And now it's an Avera that's choshev, that to, to be chayav misa. Without the minion, you're, you, the Avera is not severe enough to be considered a capital crime. When it comes to other situations of Chil Shabbos or Avodizara or Eshesish or other types of Gilei Rais, the witnesses are not there to make it considered a capital crime. It's a capital crime irrelevant. You need witnesses to bring him to Bezdin and to carry out the punishment. But the crime itself is of capital severity regardless of witnesses. Not so with Bailaramis. Bailaramis is only considered a capital case and Navera is only considered severe when, what? When it's done in front of witnesses. So that's what you see in the Ramah. But the question is, why? What is, the, what, what, what is this Indian of ten men? Why does that taka make it a worse Avera? If we, I understand that by doing it in front of a minion, it makes it a Chil Hashem. But why does that aspect of, of a Chil Hashem make, it, make the Gilearias of the act worse? It's two separate things. There is Gilearias done, because he's living with a non-Jewish woman, and he's also being Mechal Shem Shemayim by doing it in front of a minion. But those are two disjointed things, and the Ramah is telling us, no, no, they're not disjointed at all. The minion is what defines this Avera as so severe that it's Chayv Misa. And so the question is, how do we understand that? How do we understand the nature of this Avera that it's changing when it's done in front of a minion? So these are the two problems that we have in the Ramah. Problem number one, again, if the halacha of killing of, of Pinchas, of Kanoim Paiginbai, in a case of a person that's Bailaramis willingly, that the Kanoi is allowed to kill him, if he's functioning on, as, a, as a messenger of Bezdin, so how could the Ramah hold that this is applicable nowadays when there are no Bezdins? 
That's problem number one. And problem number two, why does the Ramah understand, what is the meaning of this, that the Ramah holds, that the Avera itself is more severe when it's done in front of a minion? That it's not just an added problem of Chil Hashem, but the, the Gilea Rayas, the Avera itself of living with a non-Jewish woman is itself worse when it's done in front of a minion. How do we understand that? What does that tell us about the nature of this particular Avera? So that's the, those, are the, those are the problems. Okay, so now we have to uh, see in Panimis a little bit of where... Uh, where this takes us. Okay, so it's like this. You know, the Pusik says that uh, if you go back to Parshas, told us, so Rivki Menu was pregnant with uh, Yitzchak, with uh, which we call Yaakov and Esav, as we know. And so the Pusik says that, you know, Rashi brings down from Chazal that she was confused, right? She would pass by a uh, place of Avodah Zara, baby would kick, pass by a place of Kedusha, the baby would kick, so she wasn't sure what's going on. Right, so everyone knows that she goes to uh, to the Navi, and she gets the message of Then in fact, you have twins; the two nations are within you. And each nation will struggle and overtake the other, and ultimately, ultimately, the older one will be subservient to the younger one. Right, that's the Yaakov and Esav. So Rashi brings down from Chazal that what does it mean? That uh, that uh, they they'll struggle with each other. These two these two nations that you have within you will struggle with each other. So what does that mean? So Rashi brings in from Chazal the following lashon. Rashi says Lai Yishu Begedula. The Yaakov and Esav, Klal and Esav, will not be in a state of Gedula at the same time. When one is built, the other one is in ruin. It doesn't work. Yerushalayim and Rome will never be built at the same time. It says in Hachareva, I will fill the one that's destroyed. So there's always going to be one destroyed and one full. And the language of the, he's quoting from the Gemara Megillah, the language of the Gemara is, that Sur, the head of Rome, the city of Rome, only becomes full and built from the destruction of Yerushalayim. Now, on a simple level, when you read that line, that Gemara, that Rashi's quoting, it means that only after Yerushalayim is destroyed can Sur be built. And vice versa, Sur is destroyed, now Yerushalayim can be built. But what's interesting is it's not the Lushan of the Gemara. The, the, the literal words of the Gemara is that Sur is built from the ruin of Yerushalayim. The words would seem to indicate that literally the stones of Yerushalayim that are now in ruin are the stones that are used to build Tzur. Now, Pash Bashat, that's, that's, not, that's not true. Tzur is a separate city. It might be built when Yerushalayim is in ruin. But why would the Gemara use such a lushan of So comes the Rizal. The Rizal reveals to us a big secret of what Gullus is, what the nature of Gullus is. Let, let's, let's, let's take a step back to appreciate this. We know the Rabbana Shalom created the world where there's two forces diametrically opposed to each other, right? There's the force, there's the, the side of Kedusha, and there's the side of Tumah. That's the way it is. The side of Kedusha and the side of Tumah. Which means that for everything that exists in the infrastructure of Kedusha, the Marocha, the parts of, of Kedusha, there is a opposition to that. There's, a, there's, a, there's another system, there's the parts of, there's a Marocha of Klipa, of Tumah, of Sitra for every mitzvah, there's an Avera, you know, that's the way it goes. But there is one nekuda. 
there is one Inyan that exists by Kedusha, that does not exist by the Sitrach, that does not exist by Tumah, that they don't parallel each other by this Nakuda. And what is that Nakuda? That Nakuda is what's called Shlemus, the Nakuda of Yichud. That aspect of what's called Shlemus and Yichud only exists by Kedusha and does not exist by Tumah. What do I mean? So listen, you know, what, what, what does Shlemus and what does Yichud mean? So in the world of Kedusha, the way it's supposed to be, so there's all different parts to Kedusha. Within the person individually, there's, there's Tefillin, there's Tzitzis, there's Kashras, there's Shabbos, there's Brachas, Shabbos, Erevin. There's an entire infrastructure of Kedusha. But the nature of Kedusha, the way it's supposed to be, is that Kedusha also has a Midah that's called Yichud, a Midah of Shlemus, which means that all of these separate parts that come together to create that world that's called Kedusha are not experienced as separate parts. Each part, each aspect of that world that's called Kedusha is mechazek, it strengthens, it enlivens each other. And for example, you know, I mentioned this, I think, by Shavuot HaGadol, is such an Indian that when a person says L'Shem Yichud, let's say before you do a mitzvah, so part of the Nusach of L'Shem Yichud is that I'm about to perform uh, the mitzvah of Tefillin, and all of the 613 that are connected to this particular mitzvah. It means that on some level, all of Torah and mitzvahs, there's a, there's a level of hiskalus and hiskashras in the language of the Rashash. There's an interinclusion in Kedusha. Every side, every aspect of Kedusha is included in every other side. And what that, resu- what that means, we might not understand what that means exactly, but the result of that, what does that feel like? What it feels like is that a person that's living a life of Kedusha feels a sense of wholeness and a sense of completion. And when he is performing one particular mitzvah, he doesn't feel, oh, I can't believe I'm not doing that. There's, there's a certain sense of I'm all in in every particular moment. He, there's a certain wholesomeness and a wholeness and a completion and a sense of yishavadas, amenuchas and nefesh that should come by connecting to any particular aspect of Kedusha because every particular aspect of Kedusha is in some level connected to the entirety of the Inyan. That's called Yichud, that's called Shlemus. On a, on, a, on a more national level, it's by Kedusha and by Kla Yisrael that are the Am Kaddish that there should be a sense of Shlemus and Yichud within each other, within ourselves. Real Achtos of, uh, you know, that in and of absolute Yichud, of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Ken Hashem Echad, where all the Shvatim are literally absolutely one, that's a nature, that's a quality of Kedusha. So, achdus yichud is is a nature of kedusha. Shlemus is a sense of kedusha, a a feeling of of things of things functional, functional reality. Where instead of things falling apart into a million pieces, but things function like it, like let's say you have a watch or something, which also has a million pieces, but those pieces are are working together, and because they're not fighting with each other, the the watch works. That sense of, of functionality, that's in the nature of Kedusha. Toma, on the other hand, the Sitra Achra, it says in Pasuk, Yispardu Kopalayavan. Toma, by its very nature, is always in a state of period. It's in a state of divisiveness, division. That's the definition of Toma, is that it's, 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 the op- it's opposed to Hashem Echad. Only Kedusha, which is, which is a vessel for Hashem Echad, is going to have a level of Yichad and Shlemus. But the Sitra which is opposed to Hashem Echad, by its very definition, is not going to be able to express a level of Hashem Echad, of Yichad at all. 
So therefore, for example, the Pasik says, Taiva Yivakesh Nifrad. It says in Pasik that the Baal Taiva is always in a state of period. It means that any Avera he's doing, he's satisfying one particular urge, but not satisfying another urge. And there's a part of him that's going to be therefore dissatisfied in whatever he does. The nature of Tumma is that that the nations that are connected to Tumma should be in a state of conflict with each other. Reality that's that's saturated with Tumma, that's part of the world of Tumma, is non-functional. It might have all the parts, but they don't work in tandem. There's no functionality to it. Things are in disarray, in disrepair, and in a state of death and 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 dysfunction. That's the nature of Tumma. That's how the Rabbanishim created it. So although Tumma has all the pieces that Kedusha might have in terms of, of I, mean, I mean, the opposite, whatever whatever ingredients there are in the world of Kedusha, the anti-ingredients exist in Tumma, but the one thing that does not exist in Tumma by itself is this sense of Shlemus and Yichud. So Tumma itself is a state of chaos. That, that's what Tumma means, it's in a state of chaos. Kedusha means a state of harmony. But this is all the way the Rav created it. But then there's such a phenomenon that's called Gullus. By the way, let's let's before I even get to that, let's deepen our appreciation of this. In 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 Pnimus we're taught that this quality that's called Yichur and Shleimus, there's a there's a word for it which is called Malchus, Malchus, Malchus kin, kingship, also is this quality of taking individuals or even tribes and states and unifying it under one, under one ruler, under one Indian, under one Malchus, under one crown. That's what Malchus does. Malchus takes individual components that are in a state of chaos and brings Shlemus to it. This quality of Malchus, this quality of Malchus, in the Surah Toshim is, is specifically connected to the Eishas Chayel, to the Jewish woman, to the Jewish wife. It says in Pasuk, Eishas Chayel, Ateres Bala. The Jewish woman, the Eishas Chayel, is the crown of her husband. This midah of Malchus, this quality of Yichud and Shlemus, which unifies and brings together all the disjointed pieces in the world of Kedusha, that's represented by the Eishas Chayel. Physically, we also find this. That's, this is what an Isha does in a house that's functional with an Eishas Chayel. The Eishas Chayel takes all the pieces of the home that the husband might be bringing in and unifies it. Basically, the house is the Eishas is Chayel. The house literally is the, is, the, is the piece of property that unifies all the different pieces. Where instead of just having a dishwasher and a laundry machine and a fridge and a couch, if you put it in a house, it's orderly. And now every single piece is part of a, a much bigger picture that's called an orderly house. That's the Eishas Chayel. But there's a Pasuk. The Pasuk describes the situation of Golis, which is called Shivcha Kisirish Gevirta, a maidservant that takes over the, the position of the Giveris, of the, uh, the matriarch of the home. What is Golis? Golis is not, Golis is two things. The Rizal reveals to us in Eitzchayim in a few places that the Oymik of Golis is two, there's two stages to Golis or two levels to Golis. Stage one is Kedusha falls apart. And that level of Shlemus, of Yichud, of unity, of, of, of oneness, of completion, of wholeness, of harmony, of health, of the Eishas Chayil is removed from Kedusha. And as a result, Kalah Yisrael are disjointed. Kalah Yisrael are in a constant state of infighting within the Jew himself. When you keep a mitzvah, you don't necessarily feel that soul, that wholesomeness and that completion that you should feel. The world of kedusha is not a world necessarily that seems functional. 
on an emotional, spiritual, or practical, uh, political level, that's, that's a result of Golas, where the period, which is the nature of the Sitra Achra, all of a sudden we experience that in Kedusha. But that's one level of Golas. The Rizal said the depth of Golas is what? Is not only is that inning of Yichud removed from Kedusha, but it seems to be given over to Sitra Achra. And then all of a sudden, the Eshashchayel is no longer the Eshashchayel. And it's the Shivcha, the maidservant, the Sitra Achra, that she's now the Eshashchayel. That's the Oymik of Galas. There is a, the, 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 in the base Medrash of the Vilna Gaon, we find this in describing the difference between the Churban Ba'ez Rishon and Churban Ba'ez Sheni. We're holding by the three weeks already. So Churban Ba'ez Rishon, what happened by the, first, by the destruction of the first base in the English? Yisrael, obviously the base Medrash was destroyed. Kala Yisrael are exiled to Bavel. But two things still, but, but, but two things are, are, are still intact. First of all, Eretz Yisrael is not overtaken by the Goyim. It's just desolate. For 52 years, for the remainder of that Golis, no one stepped foot in the land. The land was desolate, which is terrible and it's a tragedy. But it was not, it was not turned into a different country. Goyim did not live there. No one lived there. And the same thing with Kala Yisrael. Kala Yisrael weren't subjugated. They weren't, they weren't, uh, they weren't uh, uh, persecuted. They, they were not a Malchus. Kala Yisrael did not have a Malchus. But we were left alone. They were, we were left alone. Eretz was left alone. Kala Yisrael was left alone. That corresponds to the first level of Golas, where Yichud is taken away from Kedusha, but it's not being given to the Sitra either. So the Sitra doesn't overtake Malchus Yisrael. It doesn't overtake possession of Eretz Yisrael. It doesn't, doesn't try to destroy Am Yisrael or persecute Kala Yisrael. Kala Yisrael is in ruin, and, but, but the Umasalam are not trying to take anything from the ruins of Yerushalayim. But the second stage of Golas, the second Beis HaMikdash, when the second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, not only is the Beis HaMikdash destroyed, but now Eretz Yisrael is now a Roman country. And Kala Yisrael are now subjugated under the Umasa'ilam, which means that the second base of Migdash represents the second stage of Golas, which is not only is the Eshashchayel no longer the Eshashchayel in Yushalayim, but now that same Indian of Shlemus and Yichud of Eshashchayel is now in Tzur. Rome is built from the ruins of Yushalayim, literally. That the ruins of Yerushalayim, and that what's in disarray, the 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 shleimus that was supposed to be in Yerushalayim, the malchus of Yerushalayim, is now found in Tzur. Tzur now takes over that malchus, and so now it's shivcha kisirish gevirta. The shivcha is now the eshesha, rachman alitzlan, and that's the oimik of Golas, where literally that inning of malchus is no longer in kedusha, and malchus is now in the jurisdiction of tumah. And now the Malchus is by the Sitra Achra, by Rome. The Tzur is now built from the ruins of Yerushalayim. This is the oimek of that Avera of Bailaramis. What's a Bailaramis? Literally, a Bailaramis means is that you're replacing a non-Jewish woman as the Eshes Chayel. Kipshutai, that's what you're doing. Instead of there being an Eshes Chayel, a Teres Baala, instead of it being a relationship between two Jewish people, it's now a relationship between a Jewish man and a non-Jewish woman. There's a shivcha kisirish gevirta. The Avera of Bailaramis is not simply an Avera of what? Of, of Gilirayas. It's an Avera of 
It's the inning of Malchus, the inning of Eishas Chayel, being taken away from Kedusha and being given over to Klipa, being given over to the Sitrachra. This is why, said the Ramah, the oimik of that sin is, is brought out dafka when it's done in front of a minion. Why? What's the inning of a minion? What's unique to the number 10 is that 10 always represents a complete system, a system of shlemas. Where, you know, in other words, one, the, the number one means just one. Everything is yichud, everything is one, because there's no other, there's nothing else but one. But now you move on to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now you have many, many different parts. And this is the difference between Kedusha and Tumah, right? That Kedusha has, has a, a, a way of uniting all those nine and to make them one again, which is the number 10. What's 10? 10 is basically returning to one. 10 is one zero. 10 is, that, that, that's the, 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 the pira, the division of nine is now unified under 10. That's supposed to be in Kedusha. That's what a minion is. But what's happening is by a boiler ramis, by being boiler ramis in front of a minion, what you're establishing is what that, what that Avera is doing is that it's giving that sense of shlemus, which is the number 10, to the shivcha, to the nanju, to the non-Jewish woman, to the opposite of Eishas Chayel. It's, it's, it's giving over the quality of Eishas Chayel to the Sitra it's, it's building tzur from the division, from the division, from the ruins of Yerushalayim. This is why it's not a coincidence that the first, the, the classic case of Bailaramis is Zimri living with Kosbi, and Kosbi is, what's her name? Kosbi Bas Tzur. That's her name, Kosbi Bas Tzur. That's the same name as, as the Gemara says, And that's why it says the Ramah, that the oimik of the Avera comes out when it's in front of a minion, because the minion, that number 10 is the inning of that Shlemus, of Yichud, which is now being given over to the Aramis, to the non-Jewish woman, in her taking over the position, Lo'oleinu, of the Eshes Chayim. And this is why this Avera of Boyal Aramis is exactly the Avera that's going to hold Klai Yisrael back from getting Eretz Yisrael. Because it's not, Bilaam's intention is not only that we shouldn't take the land, like the, first, the, like the destruction of the first base of Migdash, that no one should have the land. The intention of Bilaam is, is that the Indian of Malchus, the, what Klai Yisrael means in Eretz Yisrael, which is a place of Malchus, a place of, of Eishas Chayel, that should be given over to the Sitra That Bilaam, rep, Bilaam rep, and at a certain level, this is what Bilaam is. Bilaam's whole Indian is that he is the infrastructure of Kedusha in the Zelum opposing Maishu Rabbeinu pretending as if he has all that Moshe Rabbeinu has to offer. And so the curse of Bilam to stop us from, from acquiring Eretz Yisrael just takes a different form in the Avera of Boyal Aramis. Boyal Aramis means that the Eish Yisrael is given, that quality of Eish Yisrael is given over to the Masoylam. Eretz Yisrael, which is the Eish Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, which is the place of Malchus, is given over to the Sitra Achra. And that itself would stop us from having Eretz Yisrael, not just, not just us having Eretz Yisrael, it would give Eretz Yisrael to the nations of the world. Comes Pinchas. So Pinchas comes and kills Kazbi and Zimri. What's this Indian of Kanoim Pagimbai? So what's the Tikkun? It's a terrible Avera. So what's the Tikkun? The Tikkun is as follows. The Tikkun is the realization that even though it's true, that Ataka seems that Malchus no longer exists in Kedusha but Malchus now exists in Tumah. And Yidin can't get along. But the Umas Ailam seem to be doing just fine. And Kedusha doesn't seem to be satisfying the Jew. 
but the nations, the Tumah of this world seems to be satisfying. So it seems that the Malchus of Kal Yisrael is no longer by us, but that quality of Malchus is completely, completely now in the world of the Sitra the the kanoi what Pinchas is 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 is, is revealing, is that that's not true, that even though Malchus we don't see it by Kla Yisrael and we see it by the Sitra by the Umasla you should know, that the Malchus that they're experiencing the Malchus that they're harnessing, is still, the Eshaschayl of Kla Yisrael it's the Eshaschayl of Kla Yisrael that's being hijacked. And whenever you find any level of yichud and shleimus by the world of the of Tumah, it's be'etzem not in the world of Tumah. It's 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 a yichud and a shleimus which is really supposed to be by kedusha, that's being hijacked and harnessed against its will to be used by the sitrachra. But it's not be'etzem by the sitrachra. It's still it's still a hundred percent the eshaschayil of Knesset Yisrael. It's still Malchus Yisrael. And this is exactly the beginning of fixing that mistake of Abayla Ramas. Because the mistake of the, in order to eventually get Malchus of Kla Yisrael back to Kla in order to in order to eventually, for there to be a, a functional Malchus Yisrael, for there to be the Eshes Chayel back in her position, you have to first realize that she never went away. That she never went away. She wasn't, it wasn't destroyed from Yushalayim and now Tzur usurps that Malchus. The Malchus that Tzur is experiencing is still Yushalayim. It's not the shot that the ruins of Yushalayim are now being used by Tzur and they, now they're Tzurdik. No, those stones, Kiviochel, that Tzur is using are still stamped with the seal of Yushalayim. They're still Yushalayimdik. They're just being harnessed and unfortunately being hijacked and used by Tzur, but what they are, are still, it's still the Malchus of Rishonlein, which means that the Oymek, what the, what the Pinchas, what the Kanoi is trying to establish is, is that anything, any level of Shlemus and Malchus that you find by the Masailam, really, that's Malchus Yisrael in Galus. It's really Malchus Yisrael in Galus. And this is exactly why Alpi Halacha, according to the Ramah, the Kanoi is allowed to kill the Baal Aramis, as a shliach of Bezdin. And so we asked, I don't get it. Mela, if it's Bezman, when there's a Bezdin functional, where there's a Sanhedrin, so you understand he could function on behalf of Bezdin. But Bezman has said, well, there is no Bezdin. How could he act as a, as a shliach of Bezdin? There is no Bezdin. The answer is, of course there's the Bezdin. Where's the Bezdin? Where's the Sanhedrin Agadol? It's in the Supreme Court of the United States of America, so to speak. It's, it's, it's in Golis, in all the Batei Dinim of the Umas Olam. But the, the Bezdin of Kla Yisrael, which is part of our Malchus Yisrael, is still functional, it still exists. It's still, it's just, it's now being usurped and being harnessed by Tzur. But it never became Tzur Dik, it's still Yerushalayim Dik. Everything, so in other words, anything that we find that, that's, that's, that's missing within Malchus Yisrael, everything that's missing from Eretz Yisrael nowadays, it's not gone, and it wasn't now just, just, just taken by the Masailam, now they have it. It's being hijacked by them, but it's still called by us. It's it's our power being being used by them, and they're going to have to pay to pay it back for us. But this is what the this is what the Kanoi, by killing Cosby and Zimri as a shliach of Bezdin, even Bezman she'ein beis amigdush kayim. What Pinchas is establishing is that Malchus Yisrael never went away, and Malchus Yisrael is now just in hiding. And where's Malchus Yisrael in hiding? It's hiding in Sur. 
And because it's hiding in Sur, it's only a matter of time until it comes out of hiding back to Yerushalayim. Because in truth, it never, it never became not Yerushalayim Dick. It's still Yerushalayim Dick. And this is why Bashkar Pratis, the woman that Zimri lives with, her, mother's, her, 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 her father's name is Tzur. But what's her name? Kazbi Bas Tzur. The word Kazbi comes from the word Shaker V'chazav. It means false. Kazbi Bas Tzur means that her, the entire Malchus of Tzur is Be'etzim, a falsehood. It's Be'etzim Shaker. It's not real. It's not real. Adarava, Pinchas, therefore, by killing Kazbi and Zimri, He's revealing this, like as the Ramah Paskins, he's revealing this truth, which is the Mal, the Eshashchayel cannot be replaced. And the Eshashchayel, wherever she finds herself, is still the Eshashchayel of Kalah Yisrael, it's still that Malchus. And this is ultimately the Avaidah of this time of year during the three weeks, is not simply to mourn the Chor Mesa Megdash, but it's to realize that any level of Shlemus and any level of Malchus, any functionality that we find in the world, is really... That's, that, that, that's a functionality that's coming because of Malchus Yisrael that's stuck in a low place. And that adds to the tsar and the anguish of the Shekhinah, the anguish of the Eish Yisrael, that not, it's one thing not to, be, not to be ruling in her palace, but the fact that she has to rule in a foreign palace. It's like the Misa, the lost princess in Rabbi Nachman's stories, right? That the lost princess, she's not the princess of the king, she's lost. But it's not just that she's lost, she, she becomes, she's functioning as a queen of the dark kingdom in the mice over there. That's what Golas is. The, 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 and that's, 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 that's the oimic of this Indian of Bailaram's Kanai Pagenbai, where Pinchas reveals that's Bechlal, that the Malchus Yisrael is intact, it's just in Golas. And this is why it's Davka Pinchas, who's Elyonavi, who heralds in the Geula, he's the one to reveal to us the secret of what is that Malchus Yisrael never went away. Of course, the reason why he's able to bring Mashiach out of hiding, Elyonavi, is because what he reveals is that Mashiach never, never, the Malchus never left. There was always a Melch, there was always a Malchus, there was always an Eshazchayel. It was just, she was being hijacked, she was being harnessed and, and, and disguised and, and, and forced to rule the Malchus of Chayshech. But in truth, who she was is who she is, which is the Queen of Kedusha. And that's the Eshazchayel. And that's the Avayit of this time of year, to mourn over the Golis of Klai Yisrael. And the Golis of Klai Yisrael doesn't just mean that we're in a foreign place. It means that it means that, that all Shlemus and all of our Malchus is, is still functional. But it's just being harnessed. The energy and the Kaychus are being harnessed in all the wrong places. And that's ultimately what Gula means. Everything to come back the way it's supposed to be, to return home. To return home. No. To see the gula in that revealed way, we're all, all, all stolen objects and stolen goods and stolen kaychas. We return to the rightful place and the right for owner.